And he said they were present at that season, some that took him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered these things. We don't know how many of the Galileans, but Jesus did say there that they were sinners. But he said, if we don't repent, he said, we'll all likewise perish. And I thought about, as Pontius Pilate, there was a Roman, and the Galileans wasn't going along with what uh, what the Romans wanted. They wasn't wanting to follow under the Roman rule. So Pontius Pilate brought them into his sacrifice and killed. Nobody knows, but there was hundreds of Galileans over time killed because they wouldn't come under Pontius Pilate. They wouldn't come under the Roman rule. They were yet sinners, but they wouldn't come under the Roman rule. Amen. And he took them and killed them and used them as a sacrifice, a blood offering. And the Bible said, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And my friend today, they were making fun of the Almighty God. They were bringing the blood of the Galileans to the altar and sacrificing on their altar and saying, this is the blood, we are the way. And I thought about today, us as Americans, we're not going out and killing somebody, but somebody can get out of the will of God. And we crucify them afresh. We crucify them afresh. We bring them down to nothing. We try to bring them to an open shame. We need to steal them way in our closet somewhere and pray. God touch these people that have walked away, that have walked away from you. Hundreds, hundreds that I've seen walk out of the house of God. Some are still in church. Some have backslid. Some ain't walking where they one time walked. Some ain't in the same doctrine that they were raised up in. Some have fell away from the word of God because they didn't want to follow. Neighbor, the Bible plainly said, except we repent, we will all likewise perish. That's what he said. I tell you in the third verse, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So we think these Galileans are that died because they wouldn't come under the Roman rule. We think they're the greatest of sinners. I'm going to tell you how we think today that that one that's out there on drugs is the greatest of sinners or that one that's drinking alcohol is the greatest of sinners or that one's on fornication is the greatest of sinners or that one that's using God's name in vain is greatest of sinners. Can I tell you, honey, if we're not children of God, we're sinners. And the Bible said, except we repent, I will all likewise perish. Neighbor, can I tell you, we've been in a few foreign countries. (coughs) 
And we thank him. God, we thank, we thank for, we thank for a minute that this only happened back in back in Luke, back in the Bible day, back in Pontius Pilate's day. But I'm going to tell you something. I walked the ground in, in Cuba. I saw the pictures of martyred people because they wouldn't follow Castro. I talked to a preacher. I spent a night. He's dead now. But I spent a night with a preacher in Cuba that spent several several months in prison because he wouldn't bow down to Castro. This thing, this happened in 58, 59, church. This happened in 58 and 59 of this, this century that we live in today. So it can come again. Neighbor, that they can stop us from worshiping God with freedom. They let us in the back door. Amen. We couldn't carry our Bible, but we did get to preach in a little church. Honey, we've been blessed. We have no idea. None of us know what Abraham went through. How Abraham, how Abraham laid in the, in the pit. Is it still on? Amen. How Abraham laid in the, in the old tent and how his heart broke. As Lot and son, uh, nephew went off down and lived in another place in, in different uh, bright lights where it was easy living. And Abraham lived in that tent. Can I tell you something? In Israel today, I went into the sheep herder and the goat herder tent. I said, I want to come in where you live. I'm talking about uh, there wasn't no uh, running water. Uh, there wasn't no bathrooms. Hey, there was a stink. Amen. That would almost stop your nose up. Honey, and I talked to the old sheep herder, and they they told me, uh, the, uh, the guy told me uh, that he was one of the richest people in Israel, but his clothes were greasy where they hadn't been washed. He lived in there with the goats, and he lived in with the sheep, and all he had for a covering was a tent. And we think we have it hard when our prayer goes off for a little bit. Amen. We need to start loving one another like this is the last day. This could be the last day that you and I live. This could be the very last minute that we have a change to tell old Obama as ugly as he is to still tell him we love him. Amen. And to hug his neck. Amen. And tell him we appreciate him for carrying the word, for filling in for us Wednesday night. Amen. We don't appreciate our freedom and love one another like we should love one another. I hope from the depths of my heart that God gets this message across. What I'm, what I'm preaching on. I want to tell you what I'm preaching on. In the 17th verse. And he said when he had said these things, all the adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glory 
things that were done by him. Honey, can I tell you something? Our adversary is not ashamed of that. We don't make them ashamed. Amen. We don't tell them that they're wrong. Those that come against us, those that try to break us down, those that come against the gospel, those that won't carry the King James Version, those that are committing adultery, honey, we need to make them ashamed by the life that we live. My heart this week has, has wept. My heart has broke as I thought about how many parents are telling their kids they're Christians and you can't get them to the house of God. You can't get them to quit their pot. Honey, they go to church. I know personally. They go to church every Sunday. They put on Facebook how they love the Lord and they're still smoking pot in front of their kids. Honey, what an example are we? We come to church and we go back up the road just like they, they did about the Galilee. Come to tell Jesus. Or they think that these are chiefest of sinners. Amen. And we go back up the road talking about our life preacher, talking about somebody in church. Why didn't they sing that song? I bet some of you is thinking, why didn't Bill shut up today and get somebody that could talk, let them preach. Amen. I'm trying to be led by God to the church. I'm going to tell you, it ain't all that's chose that counts. Honey, there's some things that's hid that's going to be shattered from the housetop. There's some that says they're Christians and their name has never been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They've come up with a form and a fashion of church and deny the power thereof. Neighbor, this thing is serious today. I'm going to tell you something. Honey, when Jesus stepped forward, they were ashamed. They were ashamed of the life that they were living. Today, they're not ashamed to call evil good and good evil. They're not ashamed to talk about the church. They're not ashamed to tell little jokes about the preacher. I told my buddy, I love him to death, but I don't care for the preacher jokes. I about heard them all. Don't care for them. Don't need them. And he said, I'm still preaching on the adversary is not ashamed. The devil's crowd. I've got to hit two or three points here. I want you to listen. Fourth verse said, Are those 18 upon the tire upon whom the tire of Siloam fell and slew them? Thank you that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. I can't find nowhere else in the Bible that it talks about the Tower of Siloam. But at my understanding, and we've been in the city walls of old Jerusalem, and the Tower of Siloam was standing higher than the walls, and it was a watchtower that is supposed to be for safety for those. And, the, and the, probably right about where the, the, the pool of Siloam, where the blind man was healed. Amen. All in this place. But the tower was there for safety for them. That men took watch by hours, by day and by night to keep the enemy out. And I thought about 
but they were, it was they looked up to this tower, but it was only just a thing. And I thought about as the tower fell, the Bible just has said it there in Luke that eighteen died as the tower of Siloam fell. That's a tower, the strong tower of that came down. And he said, and you think these are the chiefest of sinners because they failed by the accident. I thought about the building in Mount Erie that stood for hundreds of years and the, and the building I just failed. I don't know why it failed, but there's a purpose in every everything that goes on. So the people come around and these 18, they had funerals for 18 people. And those righteous people come by, those self-righteous people came by and said, oh, these were chiefest of sinners because the tower of Siloam, the watchtower that had been there for years, he failed and he killed, and he killed this one and he killed this one. I wonder what they had done. I wonder what sin was in their life. I wonder what it was all about. Over there in the book, book of John, we read about a fellow glory to God, and then they said, was his parents sinner, or was this fellow sinner? And, and they said, neither one of them. It's for the glory of God. Can I tell you something? I hate my voices this way. I despise when I can't talk. Jenny loves it, but I despise it when I can't talk. Glory to God. This is my life. This is my, my, my man is is talking. But I'm going to take one of God and count it for the glory of God. Eh? For the glory of God. Amen. And he said in both places there, he said, and he was talking to a self-righteous bunch that had come to church. Amen. And they were sitting among the people and the Galatians, they died and their blood was offered a sacrifice and we find 18 at the time of Siloam. And he said, these, these were not chiefest of all. He said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. You'll die like the Galatians died. You'll die like the 18 at the tower of Siloam died. We'll die exactly that way. Let me go on with the word of God. And he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sowed fruit thereof, and he found none. Then said he to the dresser of this vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered and it said unto him, uh, this, old, this old keeper of the vineyard, he said, this is us, church. We're the keepers of the church. We're not supposed to go out and cut the fig tree down because it ain't bore fruit. We're supposed to write back and say, give us, give us, Lord, another year. God, would you give these people another year? These that are deceived, these that are walking around blind, these that are not saved, these that are backslid on God, God, would you give them a one more year? And he said here, and he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and dung it. When it dung it, it's fertilizing. So they worked around this fig tree. I don't know about about butcher fig and, and the Josh there. I bought him a fig off of my fig tree this year. Amen. First two or three years 
my fig tree had, had two or three figs, and they wouldn't get ripe. They're just little hard balls. I threatened, cut it down. I didn't know. I hadn't read about it. I didn't know what my fig tree needed. Amen. It needed digging around. It needed fertilizing around. And it needed to give a little time. I pulled it up. I got real good this last little bit on Googling. I picked up and read on Google. Amen. When I supposed to trim my fig tree, when I supposed to prune it. Amen. And when they arrived, when I needed what I need to do to it. I learned some things. If we ain't careful without their knocking it, because it ain't bearing fruit, we now need to be like this old gardener. Old gardener said, Lord, let it go one more year. He went out and dug around it. Amen. And it began to bear fruit. Can I tell you something? Listen to me carefully. Some of you may be underage and ain't bearing much fruit. But can I tell you, some of you are three or four years old and need to be bearing some fruit. And I'm going to tell you why you ain't bearing no fruit. Amen. You ain't been pruned. Amen. You need some of them glorious limbs that are so pretty that's hanging out there that looks like they're everything. Cut off. Amen. And the glory of man be brought down that the glory of God might bring forth some fruit. I believe that I let my tree go to a point that it was springy and, and, and the leaves were not good for anything. Talk to these old apple orchards boys. If they don't cut them off, they don't have apples. The least of the limbs that looks like it's not going to do nothing. That's the prettiest apple. Amen. I noticed some of my fruit, Janet, even boil some or something, make some kind of jelly. Oh, my Lord. Oh, that, that's Jesus' fruit. That victory, Jesus' fruit. Amen. We begin to spread that across a piece of old bread with butter on it. Amen. Brenda, you like that. It was sweet as honey. Some of that Jesus' fruit. But can I tell you something? Oh, we're too busy saying, let's cut it down. There ain't nothing happening. Let's get our new work started in our church. Let's finish the old work that we had started. Amen. And God, my blessings. I gotta, I gotta go with another story in the Bible. The Word of God is exciting. Amen. My voice getting better. Amen. It's exciting. What if I have to preach a hour for it to really get good? Would that be all? Would that be all? Amen. He made us need. He made us need preaching to. And then he said, "And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that, they shall cut it down." So I thought about, "Boy, am I, am I bearing any fruit?" I thought, this, "There ain't nothing, church. I'm gonna cry in self-pity. There ain't nothing that breaks my heart no more than Friday night, and I can't go." Back my young. I can't go help my church that's prayed for me, that's lifted me up. And I can't go. And it's coming. Justin is coming till I can't be there, brother. I know that. But glory to God, I can do more than I'm doing. I talked to a lady, a girl, this week, and she dated TJ in his wild days. 
I did her, her stepdad's funeral. I'm not up on patches, bandy. Sitting talking to her, and I said, Who is that? I know that. Patches told me. Patches told me she's got a pacemaker and a defib, defibrillator. She said, Wednesday night, we went to church, and then I went down in the fellowship hall, drinking coffee and eating donuts. And she said, I went out. My defibrillator knocked me. She said, She showed me coffee all over me. I thought, I need to praise God. My hearts are working good. I just can't talk. Sitting on the altar, glory to God. The Lord showed me a man just as plain as day, a pastor friend of mine. He said, you're suffering, Bill, but it ain't nothing compared to what he went through. I'm going to tell you something. If you get to looking around, instead of cutting down a tree, you want to plant one beside of it. You want to watch it grow. There ain't nothing like going and getting a Jesus fruit off of Jesus' tree. Amen. God has watered. That God has taken care of. I got one more message. I got to preach it. I got to preach it. I've got to preach it. I'm afraid that the adversary ain't ashamed around us. I've heard several of you say it. I've said it. I don't want the fellow, you know, to not cuss just because I'm there. I praise God that the fellow shuts up cussing because I'm there. I praise God when you're around, if your life's clean enough, somebody will change their conversation. I praise God for that. That somebody sees enough Jesus in you till they change their conversation. Is our adversaries ashamed? Those that come against us, are they ashamed? Honey, I intend by the grace of God to squeal it, squeal it out just as long as I can. Jesus is coming back after a church that's been washed in the blood. Hallelujah. 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 Let me go to verse number 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. I want you to get this. The synagogue was the church of that day. Amen. And it was on Sunday. And he said in Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Amen. I believe that one of the examples that we have laid down on is showing the world that church means something to us. That church means something to God's people. I believe we have not made them ashamed. I believe we've listened. And they said, I can do it good at home. They need to be made ashamed that they think they can do as good at home. I can't witness to nobody on the couch. I need to be out in church. I need to be out in this environment, in the world, telling somebody about Jesus, about Jesus. And he said he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman. All of you have read read this, but it's a scripture. God's given it today. 
Let me tell you this. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read on. I got a dear brother that I worked with back in the '70s, and he's he's down. He's a veteran, disabled, been here, been here in a wheelchair. He called me last night. He said, "Are oh, you better, Bill?" I said, "Not much." He said, "I ain't gonna worry. I ain't gonna talk to you." But he said, "I cried." He said, "I cried." When I seen you trying to preach, and I know you were sick, there's somebody out there that still got compassion. That's right. Amen. There's some still bound around an old-fashioned altar. There's some that's not able to be, be here today, but there might be one in California that could get straightened up today. Amen. Get straightened up today. Amen. Might be one in Georgia. Who knows? But we need to tell them about Jesus. And he said, Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. You that have been in prison around prison, the infirmity in prison is the sick around. Talked to Jimmy there a few weeks ago about when he was in the infirmity as they were doctoring his cancer. How he hated the infirmity because there was no outside visit. There was no uh, food. It was all brought to you. No outside fellowship or communion with anybody. So here she was with a spirit. Listen to this today. That's a spirit of uh, infirmity that's come down on me. And I'd like to tell you something. Only the spirit of God can move this thing. Only the Spirit of God. And he said, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years. And when she's bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. This is what the Bible said. She in no wise could lift up herself. There she was bowed totally down. She could not lift herself up. Do you think she was ashamed? I'm going to tell you something. She had a spirit of infirmity. She was sick. She was bothered. She was troubled. She probably hurt. She had a spirit of shame that I'm sick. I can't look like other people. You can't dress like other people. And there she was, totally bowed. Amen. And could not raise up herself. I'm going to tell you something. There's a spirit straight out of hell that's trying to come in to the children of God. It's trying to bring them down and to make them, Lord, uh, that they can't raise themselves up and put them in a condition that they can't preach the Word. They can't live the Word. They can't walk for Jesus. Trying to put them in such shame before the world. But neighbor, can I tell you something? If we'll raise up under that spirit of infirmity and get straight in our life, the world can see. I'm going to tell you, it blessed my heart that my brother cried for my afflictions and my brother saw my agony turn, that he wasn't just worrying about him being bedfast. He was sharing compassion for us, the church. I'm sure the way I preach, some feel Sorry for the church, amen. amen. I'm sure of that. But look at this woman. Come here, sweetheart. Here. Yeah. 
Shelly got saved on the front porch. She's young, Dre's not down there. Just go ahead and bend over. Bend over. Bend well down there. You stay there. And that was the condition she was in. And she had a load of sin that I couldn't see, a burden, a sin that I couldn't see, knowing down inside that if she didn't get it right, she's going to hell. I preached that night, the youth sung, and she was come to the altar. One or two maybe prayed with her. I kept giving an altar call. But there she was, down, and couldn't get herself up. I left church under conviction. I was down, kept drinking, trying to get rid of it, trying to raise up myself. Couldn't do it. Finally, around the commode in 68, Christ raised me up. You stay down there. You ain't bought me this. You're all right. You're all right. How easily... Church, please listen to me. How easily this whole spirit of infirmity can come back on you. How easy it can bring you back down till you can't raise up. But one thing about it, this woman wasn't proud. She went to the synagogue. Let me read what the Word of God said. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmities. Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmities. Ramsey was on the church porch at Elkhorn and stopped and talked to her. I got there by the end and we all prayed. I don't know how many was around. But we prayed to Jesus. We couldn't lay hands on her and her be raised up. But Jesus, we could call on Jesus. And he laid his hands on her. And she raised up. And she raised up. And she raised up. And she was straight. She was straight. And God gave her that night enough power not to come back under this infirmity of sin. Infirmity of sin. I thought this is a good time to preach this while I'm sick. How about it? It's a good time not to stay at home. Just come on. I still don't think I'm contagious. And he said, and he laid his hands on her. 13, 13th verse. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight. We forgot something, Shaylee. And she glorified God. And she glorified God. Amen. She glorified God. And can I tell you something else? Those that were around her glorified God. Hey, you keep glorifying God. 
But yeah, y'all look around. Amen. This is probably, I don't know, three years. Three years ago, she had infirmity. Just like you had infirmity. She said eight years ago, the infirmity of alcohol, the spirit of alcohol, God moved it, and I'm sober. Everybody around them rejoice. Shannon, sometimes Shannon has trouble rejoicing, but, but it does. Amen. Can I tell you something? something? Honey, we need to realize that the spirit of the devil can't overtake our body. The spirit had that old lady. He don't, don't say she's old lady. I said that. He said she's had it for 18 years. So I know she's 18 years years old at least. But she was bad then. Can you remember where you was at? The shape that you were in? Are we where God had brought us to? Are we where God saved us? Are we we, uh, close enough to God till we still glorifying God? Or have we let the infirmities break us down again? Break us down again. I thought about the blind man that never seen. And he said he seen men as trees. How big they were. I remember when God rolled the scales back from my eyes in Little River. And I'd, in Allegheny, I'd been swimming in that, in that Little River several times. But when I come up that day, never seen the rocks like they were. Never seen in my lifetime in 68 the, the difference that the people made in my life. That the people were glowing. The rocks were shining. God, God be the glory. God be the glory. And he said, and she was made straight. I want you to know something. What is it? Matthew 7 says, straight is the way. And few be that find it. God made her straight, not to ever bow back down to the things of the world. And the ruler, listen to this. Just right here is what's happening today. <coughs> and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Indignation was he was troubled. He was mad. Can I tell you what? He had a spirit of infirmity on him. You know what? He was the ruler of the synagogue, but he needed the power of God because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And he said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work in them. Therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. He said, And they done Jesus like this. Every way he turned. To start with, they were aggravated and talking about the Galileans were such great sinners. That's why they were killed. They said the tire of, of Siloam, as it failed, they were the great sinners because they died under the fall of the tire of Siloam. But Jesus said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Let me read just a verse or two over over here in Acts. Acts 17. 
17 and 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold and silver and stone and graven by art and man's devices. I'd like to tell you something today. We can make a bigger show over a pair of earrings, amen, than we can over the glory of God. We can make a bigger show over things of this world, a race car driver, a drag racer, a ballet dancer. Hello, church, we can make a greater show than we can over the Lord. This is what he said in 30. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at. At the time of the ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Neighbors, can I tell you, we're making a too big a show out of things that we can see, things that we have done, our houses, our cars. I thought, and I, I got a show truck. I had it cranking in four months. But I thought how people are totally addicted to car shows, totally addicted to race cars, totally addicted to drag racing, totally addicted to the things of this world. And we're ashamed to raise up and glorify God. Ashamed to glorify God. Can I tell you, I was stooped in sin all the way down to the commode. And God raised me up and straightened me. Well, glory to God. And straightened me up and gave me several more years, 26 years old in sin. And God immediately cleansed me and set me upon my feet and put me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Testify of the goodness of God, which God is good. God is good. God is good. Church, He takes care of us. He takes care of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And He said, and because He hath appointed a day, listen to this verse, 31st verse, 17th chapter 1. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, who is Jesus Christ, ordained, whereof he hath given assurance. He gave us assurance that Jesus died and rose again. And to all men, and he that in that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. And Paul departed from among them. Paul just got away from that bunch. But can I tell you something? <coughs> Anything good was preached, the adversary come up against it. Let me finish this message. And I tell you, we need to make the adversary ashamed. We need to make him ashamed. 
And the Lord then answered him and said, 15, of Luke 13, said, Thou hypocrites, is not our churches and our religious world full of hypocrites today? God help. Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his hawk to his ass from the stall and lead him away to water? And know not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whose Satan hath bound, whose Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years be loosed from his bond, loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. Let me read 16 again. And now we sang the song. We sang it over and over. On a Monday, stand up. On the day that you were saved, stand up. Monday is Monday. But I've watched it. Every word I've ever heard it sung. On Sunday, on Sunday, on Sunday, the Sabbath day of God, the day that God loosed more sinners than at any other time in our churches today. So don't tell me that the Sabbath day is not important. Don't tell me, amen, that church is not important. And I, it's good, it's good to get saved in the bathroom. It's good to get saved anywhere. But there's no place greater than the house of God. For you to go put your mark on the wall and say, I'm a part of the assembly of God. I'm a part of the family of God. We could go on, neighbors. Let me read. I, I promise you, I'm going to quit. And oh, not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham. She was a daughter of the freeborn Abraham. But Satan had bound her. I'm going to tell you. You might be the daughter of a preacher, a son of a preacher. You might be the, the daughter or the son or the grandson of a great evangelistic group, singing group, or whatever. But can I tell you something? You need to be born again. You must repent. You must be born again. I don't care what the doctrine is in the church over, over the road. It's more than shaking hands with a preacher. You need to get saved by the grace of God. Then go down to the old creek and be baptized. Glory to God. We need to put on the whole armor of God. We need to stand a soldier. How did he make that woman, after 18 years, bowed over and couldn't do nothing? He made her how? Straight. He made her straight. I think about these young'uns that are saved and these that have just been born again. God made them straight. Satan wants to bow them back down. There'd be nothing more pleasing than Satan stopping you along the way, getting you out of church, and they laugh at you outside. What was their testimony? What was their testimony? God delivered them, yet they're back out there bound by Satan. Church stand, but y'all will get a song. I thought nothing would please Satan no better if he could take your little girl and hurry end up on drugs. 
or end up pregnant. Take your little boy and him go out and commit suicide. There ain't nothing will please Satan no more. Neighbor, can I tell you, we need each other. It ain't those Galileans that were killed by Pilate that's the greatest sinner. Honey, it's us today. It's us. Except we repent, we'll all likewise perish. We'll die as the Galileans did. I thought about Castro when he took over. How proud, and I seen it. It was signs on the road as big as from here to that wall where they had come against Castro, tried to keep their freedom, tried to, tried to break down the stronghold of Castro. And he killed them, and he put their picture on the side of the road to put fear in the people. The spirit of fear. Can I tell you what? Sickness and corona and some problems has put into our life. It's a spirit of fear. Why don't we shout on the street like we used to? I used to stop and pray on the curb and gutter. I stopped and prayed on whatever job I was on. I didn't care. It didn't matter. I didn't care who seen me. I didn't pray silent. I'd pray. Well, what's wrong today? Amen. We don't even pray at home. We don't pray in our closet. And I tell you, we've been taken over. I, I listen. I listen to us around the altar. We used to join the chandeliers in the church praying around the altar. Today, two minutes, nobody loud, and we're done. Have we lost our voice? Hey, have we lost our contact with God? We used to set this altar on fire because our neighbor was dying and going to hell. Neighbor, we used to set it on fire on visitation. We come to church, we worship God. We cared about mankind. Have we lost it? Amen. As the spirit of slumber, hello, that's Bible. I'm in the Bible. As the spirit of slumber came over us, come as God speaks to our heart. I'm done. I love you.